good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Our first lesson comes from the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, beginning in verse 14. Listen now to the Word of God. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of His glory, that He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than, than we all can ask or imagine. To Him be glory in the name and in the, in the church and in the Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I again invite you, those who are able to please stand for our second lesson. It is from John's Gospel. Picking up in John 8, listen now to the word of God. Then each of them went home, and while Jesus went on to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, making her stand before all of them. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Now, some of you gathered here today know this story just read from your Sunday school lesson, probably a little bit older when you heard it, 
uh, but uh, nevertheless, it's familiar to you from Sunday school, and, and some of you know it from there, but have also, and I've also heard sermons, various sermons preached on it over the years. Some of you might be hearing this for the first time, um, or you've heard it before, but it's still a very unfamiliar story to you. But I suspect, as you've been listening to what was just read from the Gospel of John, you're wondering, what does that episode have to do with the Christmas story? Now, as you look at the sermon title, you can see I have obviously, blatantly, deliberately connected this message to the Advent series so aptly preached these past four Sundays of how wide and how long and how high and how deep. There is a connection, but you've got to stick with me to see how it all works. Let me first make a few observations about this passage. I want to share that with you. And then I want to share with you a story that I heard told back in May of someone's own experience where he said, I identified most closely with the woman caught in adultery. And then let the Word of God nestle in your mind, your heart, and your spirit as you ponder what the Lord has done for you. First, some observations, a few basic details to cover. And under point one, basic details. The woman was caught in the act, it says. Well, that means there was a man there too. And the question is, where was he? The law of Moses required that both be stoned in such a situation. It was equal opportunity. This is not, a, the law is not being sexist there. It was an equal opportunity law. Both are supposed to be there. Some speculate that the man in question was actually one of the Pharisees. Not present there, but one that they knew. There's even a bit of a conspiracy theory idea on this story that uh, they knew what was going on. They knew Jesus was going to be in a public place. So at a very opportune time, they uh, broke in on what had happened and were able to report it and to bring just the woman there. Clearly, they are violating the part of the rules to push the rules to trap Jesus. This is not a case of righteousness or justice or holiness even. This is just a plain old-fashioned trap. If Jesus says, condemn her, they've got him because only Roman authorities can give the death sentence. And so they can you know, bring him before the Roman authorities saying he's breaking the Roman law. If he says, don't stone her, then they can say, hey folks, he violates the law of Moses, so quit listening to the guy, okay? They think they have found the perfect trap, and that's really the issue for them. Detail number two. Jesus, with the wisdom of a serpent, as well as the innocence of a dove, plays by their rules at first, and then he turns the rules on them. Very clever. And number three, Notice what he tells her. And again, I learned this story first in the Revised Standard Version, uh, where it says, I do not condemn, go and sin no more. He does not condemn, but he does not condone either. He called it sin, 
No, little wink, wink, nod, nod, be on about your business. Ha, ha, ha. People will be people. He does call it. He says it is a sin. He calls her to follow a course of discipleship. Go and sin no more. It's easy to condemn, and it's easy, very easy to condone. The challenge, the hard work, is that call to discipleship. But what does this story mean? How could someone identify with this story? Well, let me tell you a story about a man named Jim that I met back in early May. It was a gathering of past, small gathering of pastors, and we heard this word, and we're going to be celebrating communion, and he was delivering the message. And he shared his own story way back in his youth. Let's imagine it's 1972, and let's imagine him about 22. And those of you who remember that era, it can be a kind of a confusing era if you were a young adult. He was from New England. He was a musician of sorts and going from here and there with his gigs. I could imagine his parents in a conversation doing that polite smile and saying, he's finding himself. Isn't that the polite term for it? And even though he was from New England, if there's a New England equivalent of bless his heart, I'm sure many people were saying it at that time. And so he has wandered down to Florida. He is settled or based now in a coastal community, a fishing village. I'm sure it's much more developed now. But he is there, and I think he's getting a couple of gigs here and there, but money is scarce, and some nights he just sleeps in the park. He gets uh, caught for vagrancy by the deputy. Well, let's just call him Bubba. This is a part of Florida that still has elements of the, of the Deep South, and it's 1972. Bubba doesn't like long-haired hippie boys. They're not from here, and they think they're musicians. He's already got the guy in his sights, okay, like that. Well, he somehow gets off the hook with that one. Uh, he gets a job in the community. He's working at uh, a fishery. The fish have been brought in. They're being ready to be processed. And um, it's a paying job. It's not a well-paying job. He's hungry. So he and one of the workers one night, they're working the late shift, just take some of the fish and put them in their coats. Well, they get caught red-handed. They are guilty of theft. These fish were brought in from international waters. The paperwork has not been done on them yet. So strictly speaking, he is also guilty of smuggling. And there he is before the judge. Bubba happens to be there. He's already got the perfect mind for him to be working, to be chopping up the rocks or whatever. Those of you who may remember Cool Hand Luke, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Okay, y'all get the mental picture? <laughs> this is what's going on here. Well, the judge gives him probation. And I think he gets another job in this, in this process. He has a probation officer and meets with a probation officer. He also meets this earnest young man who was there um, at some small Bible college. He actually witnesses to Jim. Jim trusts Christ as Savior, starts going to Bible study. 
starts learning and growing in his faith. He's really growing very well, and he thinks, maybe something's going on. I mean, do I have a call? He begins to take some classes at this Bible college. He checks it with the probation officer. That's perfectly okay. It's all well and good. One day, though, he is brought to the dean of students' office, who says, we just see here that you have an arrest, you have a, an arrest record. So you're on probation, and we just can't have you as a student. Well, that door seems to be closed. But there's some students there from a small, even smaller Bible college up in North Dakota that only goes for three years. They had come to Florida for their fourth year and said, why don't you try that school? Make a phone call, see if you can start classes up there. Arrangements are made. He calls his parents up in New England. I'm going to go to North Dakota. And they say, it gets awfully cold there. <clears throat> he takes it, that as a yes. And off he goes. And he is doing, again, very well. Growing in his faith, enjoying studying the scriptures. This is all very new for him. And just going on and becoming a, a fine young man. There's a little hiccup in this storyline, and some of you legal types may have caught it. I'm looking at a legal type there. I don't know if you've caught it just yet. There is a, there's a hiccup. He's in class one day, and then come two federal marshals from Florida. He forgot to tell his probation officer in Florida that he was going across state lines to North Dakota. And uh, he has violated now his parole. Of course, he's thinking, well, I told him I was going to Bible college. Wasn't that enough? And I'm sure the federal marshals are thinking, North Dakota is awfully close to Canada. So we're here to get our man. And so there they are with the papers. And he's brought before a judge up there in North Dakota. And the dean of students is with him, and he's saying he, he's a fine student. He's working hard. He's really getting his life together. And the marshals are saying, these are the facts and things that he has done. Theft, smuggling, violating parole. And the judge looks at all the papers. And then he says, I think the goal here is rehabilitation. And this young man stands a better chance of being rehabilitated in a small town. He can't find trouble if he went to look for it than he would in some prison in Florida. And then with that, the judge tears the papers apart. Well, the marshals, of course, are just furious because marshals always get their men or man, as the case may be. And there they're telling the judge, what's what? And the judge is saying, I'm the judge. Case closed. Have a nice trip. And the dean of students is basically looking at, him, at the judge and saying, we can go now? Okay, off they go. In that moment, Jim said he identified most closely with that woman caught. Yes, he was guilty but he was given his second chance. Jim heard, go and sin no more. 
Jim knew forgiveness. Jim knew why Jesus came. Jim heard how wide and how long and how high and how deep is God's love for us in Jesus Christ. For those of us gathered here today, if you have reached 21, you know you have had at least one moment of brokenness. Those of you who are under 21, just take note, it's coming, okay? Sorry to say. Maybe not as dramatic as our woman from our story. Maybe not as scary as the encounter that Jim faced in Florida and North Dakota. Our stories of brokenness take many forms. For some of us, we could list more than one moment of brokenness in our lives. More than once, we have faced our moment of discovery. More than once, we have faced faced a moment where we were at rock bottom. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who know Him as Savior and Lord, we can hear these words, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And in those moments, we can know for ourselves how wide and how long and how high and how deep is God's love for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thanks be to God.